Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, don't look behind you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak huge fees in at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I'm going up to Dallas next month, meaning July, to try to check out some Rangers games. And you'd better believe I'm going to use SeatGeek. I used it for my trip in Detroit I told you guys about. Um, I've been recommending it to people left and right all across the country, to be honest. A couple friends in different spots been recommending it. My buddy is in New York, and he's going up to visit his family a little bit for the summer. And he and his dad are already mapping out where they, what they're going to go see uh, in terms of Mets games with SeatGeek. Honestly, it's the only place I use now. I used to use other places, I'll freely admit. The one that frequently gets mentioned here, StubHub. Stopped using it. It's not It's not necessary at this point because uh, SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Now, I remember when MLB.com first got this for their stadiums, and it was awesome. But I would, you know, be on the StubHub app or something, and then I'd have I buy the ticket or look at a section, then I go to the MLB site and have to kind of, you know, use their stadium view. Now it's all it's all in one with SeatGeek, and the grading is just color coding. So if you know a stoplight, green means go, red means halt. So if you see a red one in the section you want, maybe relax and try to find a green one because those are going to be the better price tickets uh, for their value. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you at the end with huge fees. Now, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to Settings, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Wednesday, July 13th, the All-Star Game is over. There are no games tonight. I'm curled up in a fetal position. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Eno, how you doing over there? I'm curled up in a fetal position. It's it's uh, it's a bad no, day. No, I mean, I mean, literally. Oh, you yeah, yeah, you're taking a nap. I'm scratching yeah. my arms with from withdrawals. You're, <laughs> you're, you're catching a snooze. You're actually I... enjoying the All-Star break. I'm just stressing out about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm enjoying. It. It's been crazy. I mean, I the day I landed, I I got some crazy sickness that I don't even know what it was, and I'm, I guess I still have some of it. But it might have been like a short sinus infection. But it was like I was shaking and tired, like achy, flu achy, and then uh, sweating like that zombie sweat, like that sick, gross, like pale yep. zombie sweat. Yep. And that's how I covered the Futures game. So. Oh, my God. Well, we're going to talk yeah. about that. We're actually kind of going with a little bit of an impromptu All-Star Game weekend, Futures game uh, so, sort of show here. 
because Friday might be difficult, and, and we want to make sure we get you guys a couple to get you guys through the week so you guys don't wind up in the in that same fetal position, uh, zombie sweating, uh, scratching at your neck like Tyrone Biggums from, from the Chappelle show <laughs> while you wait for games to return this weekend, uh, which I count uh, Friday as the as the weekend at this point. But let's uh, let's dive in. Let's let's kind of work our way from from let's go all the way back and then push forward here through the All-Star game. Let's start with the Futures game, uh, which ended up delivering in terms of excitement. I, I really enjoyed it, as I always do. I it was better than the All-Star game. It, it absolutely was. It, it often is, uh, at least yeah. for, for my money. I just I really enjoy it. Getting a look at, at a lot of these uh, guys for the first time, for me, uh, or, or for the first time since uh, AFL, which is even probably more fun because then you have something to compare it to, is just so fun. And and the guys who were expected to deliver, they absolutely did, and that made it really fun. Yohan Mankata, uh, Alex Bregman were, were, the, were the stars, both the three-hole hitters. Alex Reyes pumping 101 in the first inning. Um, yeah. What did you think of the game? Let's just kind of start freeform here. Yeah, well, Eloy Jimenez was, you know— <sighs> He might have gotten lost because Bregman almost hit for the cycle. Yep. And, uh, and Makata hit the game winner. Yeah, and Makata's was amazing. It was one of those ones where no one on defense moved. You know what I mean? At first, mm-hmm. there was like that, like, oh, damn it. <laughs> like, just like, no doubt about it. No one. And then they all sort of looked up to find out how far it went. It was. <laughs> nuts it was a rifle shot yeah it was it, just if Moncada and and Bregman did kind of what they were supposed to as up near the top of the prospect heap Eloy Jimenez ended up being the standout at that point because of the home run because of the foul ball catch where he yeah. climbed over the wall and something and popped I, out and it was his sunglasses I think some people maybe thought he didn't catch it because they saw the sunglasses fly he had that ball he, he really laid his body on the line absolutely I think, I think that was sort of indicative of why the Futures game is a little bit better than the All-Star game because they really lay – like, they have a lot to play for. I think they're playing for the scouts. They're playing to imprint themselves on the fans and, and ready us for their stardom. They're, yeah, they're yeah. playing with a lot to prove. The I All-Stars agree. in the major leagues have, have proven it, and they've, they've, they're All-Stars. They've sort of become who they are, and I think they're mostly there to have fun. They're and I'm okay with to, that. Uh, and that's why I mean, there's the whole count. thing with Jose Fernandez and David Ortiz. We can get to that. But, you know, uh, I, I thought that Eloy Jimenez was just that was just amazing that he was willing to put his body on the line like that. You know, For a foul ball, too. Yeah, there was a good catch by Manuel Margot, mm-hmm. future center fielder for the Padres. Um, but, you know, there was a little bit of conflicting ideas about how nice the route was, and it wasn't as much where he had to lay his body on the line. It's one of those ones where you sort of pluck the ball. Um, it was a home run ball, but uh, you pluck the ball from the other side of the fence kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it looked maybe a little circuitous, but maybe that was by design, too. I think sometimes— In order to sort of line up for the wall or whatever? Yeah, because of the way he was going to have to do it. Maybe he prefers to kind of be running a little bit parallel with it when he makes the jump. I, I you know, I'm not just trying to make excuses. Well, I'm just saying. No, but it worked out pretty well for that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it ended up being, you know, kind of the perfect route that way, even though it might not have looked as smooth or maybe graded out, uh, stat cast wise, quite as well. But it, just a lot of excitement there. By the way, we talk about Margot, somebody who could be up later this uh, th- this this season, as we discussed in the futures pod. 
two two episodes ago. We previewed him talking about how you know they got Matt Kemp and Melvin Upton both having solid enough years to be traded if they can work the right deal, and that's a perfect way for Marco to get called up. I will mention that he is already on the 40-man as well, which is yeah. kind of in, in, enhances his path. You don't have to make an additional move there. Um, obviously, a trade might open it up anyway, but I, I think we could see him at some point, even though the Padres aren't really playing for anything. You know, he's I, 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 just from watching him and BP and, and, and the game, I'm, I'm, I don't think he's necessarily going to develop more, any power or more power. I think he's going to be all right, but I don't think he's going to have league average power even and that's okay uh he's not as slappy like you know who looked really slappy as Rymel tapia <laughs> and he, you guys got to see what we talked about with that oh the crazy two there, strike the approach two strike crouch. <laughs> and they yeah, talked about it. it and it wasn't as crazy as it's actually mellower now but... we, and i think that's because some of his um non-two strike approach is maybe a little bit more crouched so it doesn't look as oh interesting <laughs> a, 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 as distinct but yeah because it, he really went from like craig council who stands upright to Tony Phillips in the, in the Arizona Fall League. That was the kind of difference that we were it's seeing. So crazy. Maybe it just looks different in, in, from the front row because that's where we where we got to see it at the Fall League. I don't know, but I agree with you. It was a little bit less pronounced, but it was eminently noticeable for sure. If there's and, a guy that I like less than consensus, it might actually be him. I, I it's hard to to love that. That was the one flaw that we put, and and he can't run. Um, yeah, efficiently, we, yeah. we discussed how poor uh, of a base stealer Rymel Tapia is, and that plays a role for sure, especially because that's going to be a prime source of his of his fantasy value. He's not a crusher; he can he can hit twelve to fifteen in in Coors, um, right. but he needs that speed to be kind of that next level player. And, yeah. and so I, I can understand, you know, that he, he's an interesting player. I'm I'm still holding out. But I can see where the holes are, and and if he doesn't work out, let's just say this: he is a top prospect. I understand it; the pedigree is there. But if he doesn't work out, I don't say I can't believe that one didn't work out. You yeah, know sometimes yeah, no, like, that'll be more like Moncada's a little bit more like that, and Eloy Jimenez. I'll be like, what? It didn't work out because exactly. he had a nice plate approach, real big power, real nice tools. The kind of, that's the kind of thing you think is going to work out. There's also a chance for Tuppy, I think, to work out in a way that's just not super exciting for fantasy. I yeah. mean, you know, a guy who like hits 10 and steals 10 inefficiently and has like a 275 average, you know, a little bit like Dexter Fowler used to do in cores. That like that would be great for, you know, the Rockies probably if he can play a good center field, but mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't would well, have be to all, have to something all. that 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 all us fantasy owners had to like hold on to him for and, years to get. And you get and, and the thing of it is it would be it the Fowler comp is perfect in terms of, of how this would play out because he would continue to be wildly overrated because he's in Coors. I, <laughs> until I drafted, he was underrated. <laughs> until he can be until he leaves Coors and we say, We're not getting burned by that guy again and then he goes on and has his uh, two best, best years, years in succession. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what Dexter Fowler He'll has do done. He'll do exactly do that. Don't That'll die. be 100% what Rymel Tapia does. He'll go to Houston and then... Be amazing. Uh, but no, I, I, but, I completely agree there. So, uh, you know, I wrote today about uh, a couple guys that stood out to me in terms of being possibly underrated, which were Joe Musgrove. It's hard because Joe Musgrove has a bit of helium. People love his numbers, but... yeah. Um, if you look at stat list, Joe Musgrove does, I mean, uh, stat list prospect list, Joe Musgrove doesn't show up on them. And, but if you look uh, at the ones that base their 
you know, the, some of those uh, prospect systems that kind of rate him uh, purely on the numbers, then that's where he pops up and, and, you, and you kind of take notice. This was a guy I noticed in the offseason. I was really interested in Joe Musgrove. I think we talked about this on the on the initial show as well. He doesn't just pump it in there at 89.90. And I think that when you're seen as a control first guy, you're deemed as a control only. It's almost the way Lindor, since he was a field first prospect when he was coming up, like that was his signature. It was yeah. seen as if he was field only, no bat, as opposed to field first, bat second. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a really good way of explaining it. Because yes, their second and third pitches, him and Phil Bickford, their second and third pitches may not uh, make you sit up and notice like uh, Reyes's curveball, mm-hmm. and they and they don't have the velocity that Reyes has. At the same time, they have that pitchability, that command that's going to give them a way softer landing. They have way higher floors. Reyes is, you know, maybe he could be a late inning closer. I was going to say, he might end up closer if, 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 if it the walks don't out. But there's still kind of like maybe it won't work at all at all because they're, you know, Alex Reyes isn't Henry Rodriguez, but there are Henry Rodriguez's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and just to make the point, it was a little bit sad. The, the guy Stanek. Um, oh yeah, at the end, he Ryan was the, Stanek. He was the last pitcher on the U.S. roster, and so he had to get the last three outs for the U, for the U.S. And it took him like I don't know, fifteen batters or something. He gave up so many runs, it and took, it was it, it took a while. So yeah. sad. And he had ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. I mean, he he had the heat. It just I think it was straight, and I think he had no command, and they were just all muscling it up, you know, just center field for doubles. It was like double, triple, double, triple. It was just, it was kind of sad. So anyway, I, I think that Joe Musgrove and Phil Bigford have that thing that's always going to be better. That they're always going to be better than the way their stuff looks. And mm-hmm. I think if you look at the major leagues, there are guys like that, you know. Absolutely. Um, where where they're just more than the sum of their parts because of the command. Kyle Hendricks, I think, is the perfect example. Kyle Hendricks is a great example, and a lot of guys on Houston already are that example. Like McCullers yeah. is the other end, the the guy who you know might never uh, put it He's fully more together. The Reyes, yeah. But then the, everyone else in their rotation is the other side of that. Yeah, that's uh, funny. Yeah, and so, so Musgrove is, set, is headed up. I did some grips with Musgrove. He does. He throws a one seam fastball. Oh wow! So it actually has some unique movement uh, where you know he's a little bit of a high slot guy, and so the pitch comes out, and um, you know he was having trouble getting fade on his sinker, which is what we we talk about this a lot. The Josh Comenter, Zach Godley uh, problem, where even uh, Mengden even though Magnon has found some way to get some movement on his pitches, um, when you're high slot like that, you're really well suited for ride mm-hmm. on your fastball and sink on a breaking ball, but side-to-side movement is tough. And so Musgrove wasn't getting good fade on his on his sinker, so he started throwing a one seam, and it doesn't get good fade, but it gets good sink. So he actually has this weird fastball that I think will at least the few first times people see it, and maybe last for a while, because if, like Clayton Kershaw's fastball actually has unique movement. It's uh, it you might call it straight, but it's it's almost like a cut fastball. Like it's very, it's very different than other people's fastballs, and and it has ride and it's straight a little bit. Um, I think Joe Musgrove has a chance to be. I'm not saying he's going to be Kershaw, but Kershaw's great command of that pitch. I think Musgrove, you know, has the ability to do that. He doesn't have. Kershaw's curve or Kershaw's slider, but mm-hmm. in terms of like spotting a pitch that looks different, it looks 
it's not a cutter. It has sink. So it's a, uh, it's a weird little, it's a weird little thing. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I, there's some video on the piece. If you can, it might be hard to see, but he's definitely uh, throws his own type of fastball. And Phil Bickford throws uh, a, a rising four seam. Um, and, and he has a good command of it across the top of the zone and can, and can go inside and out with that. So, I think one of those guys, especially, I mean, we, we talked about how Bigford might end up, not end up in San Francisco because they, they trade guys away. But if he does end up in San Francisco, then you then you really have something with that. Because I think, you know, a riding fastball, Matt Cain, um, you know, kind of showed us what good command of a riding fastball and average pitches can do in San Francisco. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I, if Bigford did stick with the team, we, we speculated on maybe a trade uh, for him, to, to, for them to bring in a big piece with Bigford. But if he stays... You, you always like somebody who can command the ball in San Francisco. I mean, yeah. it's it's just a good place to pitch in general. Um, what do you think of Amir Garrett? He's a really interesting story. Uh, big basketball player. They, they allowed him to play at St. John's. Run that out. It, it turned out, you know, it wasn't really working. So he came back to baseball. He's been fully committed. Throws mid nineties from the left side. Pitched too clean, uh, or excuse me, pitched too scoreless. Not clean. He did allow two walks, but that's it. No hits. Like it kind of played out uh, the way his his profile suggests. He was hurling it in there. Um, they couldn't do anything with it, but he did give up a couple walks. What would what, you see? Yeah, you know, I I just don't know. I don't know because it, the way the mechanics look now to me, I can see why he has command problems. Mm-hmm. And the stuff might be enough, especially with the crossfire throw and the lefty movement. It might be enough to get by on stuff, and there's also the pro- the possibility. I don't know if it's a probability, but the possibility that he's behind developmentally because of the basketball, and that he's going to sort of fall into his mechanics and 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 gain command uh, quickly, you know, in the coming years. But you know, he's been pitching for a little bit, and I haven't. I don't know that. I don't. I haven't seen him a lot over the course of his career. But if this is if this represents already rapid improvement, then I'm not so sure about him. I mean, um, I think he's interesting, but I wouldn't ask for him. <clears throat> I think I'd ask for you know Bickford and Musgrove first in a, sure. in, in a trade, and I wouldn't target it. I almost wouldn't. I mean, I would never target an arm in a in a prospect trade. But you know, I'd. I'd uh, I'd uh, I'd sort of rank those guys in that way. Alex Reyes, of course, is number one, but he's he's going to actually he's somebody you'd have to actually target and pay for. So yeah, if you if you're targeting him, it's a whole different story from the others. Um, Musgrove might actually be up this year because you know out of the pen he can be 94, 95. His changeup doesn't mean as much, so I think they might let him develop the change for a while and actually come up and help that bullpen. I so totally see that. And that would that might be able to. Get some like SP eligible holds out of him. If you're yeah, ready, something uh, like that. Redraft. That that could be really interesting with uh, with Joe Musgrove in Houston. Um, Carson Fulmer. The thing coming out about him was, you know, look at those mechanics. How are those mechanics going to work as a starter? I haven't seen anything now uh, about a year into his development that has me believing otherwise. That that these are not reliever mechanics, a hundred percent. And that he's going to end up as a dope closer. What what do you think about Carson Fulmer from the White Sox? Well, the rumor is he's coming up. Oh, what know, to start? Yeah, no, to to, to relieve. Oh, and, and then that's that, where he's going to stay, and it's going to be great. Well, because his minor league pitching coach congratulated him on something, and uh, maybe he did, deleted the tweet later or something. But 
there's there's uh there's some some news on the ground that uh that he's coming up so um, that'd be I mean, interesting that, there's a lot of injuries in the white Sox uh, bullpen mm-hmm. and you might actually get more sp holds out of out of carson fulmer in the redraft league because you know think about that pen behind robertson and jones oh yeah it's and duke i mean there's there's the seventh inning is wide open yes absolutely Pat- Matt Albert is not Putnam got hurt. I think both of them, Patricia and Putnam, are both hurt. That's true. And Albers. Matt is, Albers uh, can block a lot, but he's not blocking Fulmer. It's really from, unfortunate. From His name really rhymes with Fat Albert. <laughs> it's just, and that's all I can think of. Anyway, the, I mean, the, he is sort of big. I'm not, hit, I'm not, it, let's not fat shame. It's fine. He yeah, can be yeah. a big dude. He, he gets kind of the Bartolo Colon treatment. I mean, technically, we're fat shaming Bartolo Colon. <laughs> With with everything that we do, but like, with all the celebration we do of him, yeah. Yes, you know, the, the, it, it, because we're celebrating his size. Really, I guess it's, it's not shaming at that point. But I think the same thing kind of happens to Matt Albers when he when he had the double in uh, in New York. People loved it. Uh, but he's again, he's not he's not uh, standing in the way of Carson Fulmer getting that role. So that could be really interesting. Um, yeah, you only really, only really need to watch him once to feel like that's a, a relief profile, but it could be a really, really good one at the same time. What about Jeff Hoffman? That was a guy we talked about in Rocky's Corner. And yeah, long levers. What what did you think about him, long levers? Yeah, that dude, he looks like um, he looks like a pitcher. I can see why the scouts like him. I didn't really get to see too much of his pitches from the press box. It's a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked. I got to see his velocity, good velocity, and uh, looks like a guy who can hump it in there. Probably gets good extension. It looked like he was really out in front because he he has long stride and long arms. So. I think he's like six six. So yeah, I I think he'll be good actually. You I know, hope. I hope they find one. Yeah, it'd be nice if he and John Gray were were, were both good. Yeah, uh, there's a chance. There's a chance. Just talked to John Gray before the break, and he was talking about. He he thought he made a big jump forward with his curveball, and he's already doing the slider cutter thing. So there's some, there's just something ruined there. Maybe I don't think they should keep Cargo necessarily, but um, yeah, they got David Dahl and Tapia coming up. They might as well trade Cargo, but try to yeah. get another pitcher, and they might have two or three pitchers. Well, that's the thing. They should just continue to get pitchers because if they don't work, you, you kind of keep moving on. It, it, it's better to have the stockpile. Atlanta make, has made the stockpile right now. We'll see what. What uh, what pays off for them there? You got to get a whole bunch of uh, starters to really get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I mean, look at the Reds. I, I thought they got a good whole bunch of good starters. I mean, starters that, that's in. that explains why you have to do that. They probably got one or two good ones out of that bunch. Because if you if you just think it's gonna you, you get these three studs that you have or whatever, you think, oh well, this this is our rotation for the future. Yeah, and then look at the Mets. Right? It doesn't work that way. You know, they're, they're that the Mets are so the the exception. And but then they're already running into the problems that are, come with it. You know, Harvey's yeah. hurt for, done for the year. No, yeah, I meant look at the Mets as in you know even once you stockpile and you yeah. have all these. Arms, even once it works out, they start falling apart. It's still a never. You, here's the thing: you're never gonna have a rotation where you just put your hands behind your head, kick your feet up, and relax. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> you, I mean, that, that rotation was so amazing last year and even into this year, and it's panic. You know, it's it, every. Rotation is DEFCON 1 at Dodgers, all. Yeah, Dodgers, Dodgers had like 10 capable major league arms. And solid capable guys. And, and gave a start to Bud Norris. 
He got traded for Bud Norris. Like, it's unbelievable. So, um, anybody else that you... Oh, wait. Neverowskis pitched. It was awesome. Oh, you know, I actually talked to him. I talked yeah, wait, to him. How'd it go? It was funny because I was walking up, and I know the the Pittsburgh beat guys. So, I was saying hi to them and just trying to slow walk it. Because I, I was thinking about doing a piece about, oh, here are these guys that pay, play baseball from places that baseball isn't the first sport. Sure. So I thought I'd talk to Neverowska. So I thought I'd talk to Tyler O'Neill, and um, Tyler O'Neill is a Mariners prospect yes. who's okay. uh, oh my god, that guy is yoked. Oh yeah. Oh, his dad's a bodybuilder. Oh, and he has one of those necks where like his chin is smaller than his neck. You know, <laughs> yes. it's just like like his body is just like a big block. <laughs> And uh, and he like sometimes he flexes when he's talking. Oh my god! So it's just Can't like help it. You, and you're like looking at like bulging veins while you're talking. It's just sort of amazing. And then um, Josh Naylor also uh, from Canada oh, yeah. talked to uh, Chu Wei Wei Yin Chu Wei Wei Who 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 Wei, um, Wei He pitched Chin. he pitched very well. Uh, one clean inning with two strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, he has a really nice changeup, and um, I think he commanded pretty well. He showed me his palm ball, where his two fingers are actually off of the ball. Um, but uh, w- when I said, How, "What is that?" he said, "Yeah, I can't really command it. I have like, no idea." What are those? Yeah, it's just you know one of those. Let it fly and see what happens. But um, you know, so I call him to never ask us, and I'm thinking, I'm going to ask him about Lithuania, and I literally, as I'm walking up, he's saying. They're asking him, what's it like to answer the same question over and over again? And I knew that it was my question. Oh my so God. I said, you know what? I may get to that question, but let's just do something else first. I said, why don't you just run me through your arsenal? Nice. And uh, because I, look, I have no idea who you are. You know? <laughs> uh, so he's like, fastball, slider, cutter, um, curve. And I said, well, both. And he said, well, that's that's the thing right now. That's the problem. That's the thing I'm working on. He said, I had a cutter I liked, and uh, the, the Pirates want me to get more movement and take some velocity off. So I'm trying to make it into a slider. So uh, and then I, well, I was like, well, so what, where do you sit on all those? He's like 6'8", and I'm like, oh, you know, he means 98 miles an hour. Wow. And uh, so he does have that big velocity. And so when we finally got to Lithuania questions, like, well, my dad was a coach and I was like, and you were clearly the best player they've ever had. Of course. Of course. He was probably. (laughs) And you're headed to being a reliever in Pittsburgh. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it could be interesting that that team seems to be almost ready for their next closer. I mean, they're not going to sign Melanson. Agreed. And, um, you know, they may sign like a Rodney or something. That seems like something that teams like that do, right? Like an yep. old closer. Absolutely. Just maybe in case. And Basically then, let him blow it for the other guy then, to come in. Right. And then Kevin Yarrow or Neverowskis, I think, should be on that list. Uh, Feliz, you know, one of these guys could be a closer next year. So, you know, there's some deep, there's some real deep leagues where he should be picked up. Um, yeah. And, and, and who, I, you know, who might. Might be able to start. There's, I think he's further away, and okay. you know he's got to he's got to work on the breaking ball a little bit. But uh, and he doesn't have big velocity, but you know he I think he has a really good feel on that changeup. So 
Anyway, that was uh, I think that was that was a good recap of the of the futures game. Yeah. The um, the group uh, the group I think there was a little bit of consensus that it was a little bit lesser than past groups. Sure, I think that's fair. But at the very, very top, at the very top, Eloy Jimenez, Juan Moncada. I think those guys. I think the power will uh, will see through all the way to the major leagues. Moncada, there's a little bit of a question because he hasn't shown it at every stop, but that kind of power, it's a good approach. I think he just looks like the, you know, he, he looks like he's going to be good. So yeah. hard. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's you have to think back to like Travis Snyder, and uh, I'm trying to think of. Don't like, make me the, do that. I'm sorry, but I, I was trying to think, think of like power guys that that uh, that never really developed the power in the major leagues. Um, I had another name, man. Uh, who was the other name? I can't think of anybody right now. Once either. in a while, you know, sometimes like contact problems uh, keep you from really developing the power. And so then they switch to trying to make more contact, and it ends up being weaker. And it, I mean, that's yeah. exactly how Snyder went. There I right. think it's not. Yeah, it's not just all gone messed up in there, but yeah, I mean it's hard. You got to remember back. Snyder was a decent prospect. He was really young, really good prospect, really big guy that just looked like he had real nice power and good plate discipline. I kept, I kept buying. I kept thinking it was going to happen. Yeah, so I mean that's that's I think the soberest reminder is just to to uh, to be careful with these guys, and I, I think quantity is a great approach, especially if you can. Like if you're if you have to rebuild some leagues you have to rebuild sometimes if you have to rebuild get quantity and get as close to the top twenty as you can mm-hmm. and and get more bats than arms I mean it's I know somebody might be rolling their eyes at that advice but because it is yeah but pe- pretty basic if, but it might know. be basic and yet it's one of those things where we remember it then we go into battle i.e. I, a, a trade negotiation and we get drunk on some arm like. I'm talking. Yeah. Don't even, don't even go for Giolito and Urias over, you know, yeah. Mankata, Bregman, Benintendi, like these bats. Like, I understand how how good they could be, and we we've gotten a taste in the majors, and I think they both showed some things in the majors, and I, you still really want to go for the arms more. I think yeah. it is easy to kind of roll your eyes and say, duh, we all know that, and then you see people over dealing for these prospect arms and they get so psyched like oh man three years i'm gonna have five aces and then they wind up with a, a number three starter a closer and and three people that they cut for example if you had a chance choice between a package of urias and uh tapia versus a package of like eloy jimenez and bickford and musgrove you know exactly i take the eloy led package all day you know, he's the better bat of the two packages, and then I get some quantity on my arms. You know, maybe they don't work out, maybe they do. So uh, I think, and I think those, you know, you'll you'll look at packages like that. Those are very viable packages for you know your veteran player. So um, anyway, uh, we should probably move on to uh, so so day that was day one basically. Day two is media availability, oh. right? Yeah, the home run derby. Started with media availability. Let's and, let's, let's uh, talk about Monday. How was your Monday? That was that was uh, the chance to talk to all the players. So I I around the two questions and one was if you could have a skills competition, like what skill of yours would you put up against people, you know, in a way like the home run derby, but not, you know, a different skill. Sweet. 
And I thought it was a good question. I got some answers. I'll probably do an ESPN piece on it. Jackie Bradley Jr. wanted like distance covered with throws. Oh, nice. So uh, that was a little bit different angle because it's a little bit different than uh, velocity, which was uh, my first idea. Um, and then Trumbo brought up the, the, the issues with home runs, uh, with injuries and stuff. And, yeah, I, that, that part of the history. The other thing that I asked, though, was, um, and I, I did a piece on this, was what was the adjustment that got you to be an all-star? And, oh, um, good question. Yeah, that was, that was so me. It was so me. It was so me, like, boiled down. Because the all-star game, you have to be your stickiest shtick that you can be. And I realized, okay, well, this is me. I'm just going to boil it down to one question. This is the Eno Saris question. <laughs> I like it. I really like uh, it. Did any of them uh, say PEDs? Uh, no, but you know, it, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that's happening to me is that that sometimes there's a little voice in the back of my head that starts talking about that inside my brain. Starts thinking I'm that that's the reason for some of you. Yeah. And I don't need to name names, but like, you know, when a guy's telling you like, oh, where'd the power come from? Yeah. You know, oh, this leg kick. <laughs> like, yeah. This leg kick. God. I mean, it You're could like, be, it could be. There's a lot of people adding leg kicks. It does something that it, it, it does slow you down and it's, it's something, and I have to take it at face value and, and, and move on. But you know, some part of me is like, all right, you know, cool. Maybe. Cool. <laughs> cool. cool. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of the answers were for established stars that have been established for a while. were a little bit less interesting. Uh, but Marcel Azuna said, you know, pulling the ball in the air more. Yeah. And I so did Mark Trumbo, which are, you know, those are things that are believable changes that you can track, that you can see in the numbers that have led to more power for both those guys. I think we actually honed in on that uh, regarding Ozuna a while ago when, when yeah, talking about it. Early. And I mean, we've been talking changes. Yeah, we've been fa- we've been talking about how he has good exit velocity and just needed to change his batted ball mix and stuff. Yeah, we I mean that that was one of the ones that we've been talking about since the winter, really. Uh, yeah. But then when when it started happening, we were saying, well, he is doing some of the things that uh, that looked like he that could foster a breakout for once. Yeah, he was an all star. Congratulations to him. The the um, what was it? There was a third question that died on the operating floor, <laughs> which was. Uh, I was gonna ask them if they mind if they cared that there were so many Cubs basically if they cared that like uh-huh. one team was and two people just didn't understand the question and I didn't have there was no way I had time to explain it so that didn't that didn't happen but I I almost got a grip thing and I mean uh, Danny Salazar actually modeled his his uh, split change for me sweet I just didn't you know I, I was recording and it's like you get a minute with these guys it's like a minute per table and you've got a there's like television crews like literally implanting their elbows in your ribs and uh Jeez. people just pushing in front of in, in front of each other and Gross. using using the worst things as like cudgels this one guy interrupted um matt carpenter's uh jennifer langosh who's like matt carpenter's beat reporter and she was in the middle of asking him a question. He interrupted her in the middle of it. And he goes, Matt, do you have time to talk, say something to the troops? And Matt's like looking at him like, yeah, but like, give me a second. And Jen was like, what? I'm still talking. Like she was like still talking. Jeez. And, uh, and he goes, well, uh, you know, it's for the troops. And I'm like, you were disgusting, man. That's just gross. 
Wow. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we all want to support the troops or whatever, but like, yeah. you know, just give her a second, finish the freaking question. And so there were a couple of times, like I just walked away from that table. I could have asked Matt Carpenter for his adjustment, but after that, I was like, I don't want to wait for both these people to finish. So, you know, I spent, instead I, wa- I walked over to Adam Duvall and he talked about how he's, you know, going left center more and, you know, spraying the ball up the middle which I think is, is probably good for him. I mean, he needs to make the most out of every ball in play. So he can't be a total pool guy. And um, I think his spray chart shows power to all fields. And that's that, that seems sustainable to me, actually. I'm not sure because the, the play discipline is really bad. But, um, you know, I think people might start getting afraid of him. And then, you know, Chris Davis's play discipline is not that good. Mm-hmm. He walks 15% of the time. So I, I feel like we might see 10% walk rates from Adam Duvall just because people will just start to place the ball further from the center of the zone. Yeah, at some point, you don't have to be that sharp to take the walks. You just have to be paying attention because they will make it obvious that they don't want anything to do with you. Like, what you saw that at bat in the All-Star game, Adam Duvall versus Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller, you know, it's not a good platoon matchup for him, lefty and righty, but he has hot, sizzling fire stuff. <laughs> And this is Adam Duvall, and yet, because the bases were loaded, or there were two people on, he actually walked Duvall. And, you know, so, you know, Duvall can can work a walk. I think we will see more walks in the future. Never much more batting average, but more walks, and he's a capable defender. So, you know, he's I, people were talking about trading him. I'm like, no, he's he could probably do more as an overall package than Jay Bruce right now. So... You know, you know, you basically keep Adam Duvall, trade Jay Bruce to try and get some more arms, or or maybe a bat, a young bat on the infield back or something. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think uh, Duvall, I think Duvall is is going to stay a red, and I think he's going to be a decent player for a while, maybe like a, a little bit of a late blossoming right-handed hitter like Ryan Ludwig or something. Nice. That, that that would definitely be useful, especially on the fantasy. Uh, side of, of things, Eno. What about when you talk to the uh, to the commander? <laughs> that was, that was uh, let's, let's my one that. shining moment, uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I so then after after the media well the media availability went to the home run derby, which I actually sat in the seats uh, with a friend. Uh, we did a, I did a Bouse Point interview, um, and while drinking some Bouse Point uh, Sculpt and pineapple, and talked okay. to Bouse Point people about their expansions. Um, then watched, I was most impressed almost with Trumbo. I knew the Giancarlo stuff was going to happen. And so Trumbo hitting the top of the supply company building and, t- and hitting the video screen and, you know, the awesome. music he chose was, uh, or that was chosen for him was more, uh, I think the kind of music that San Diego likes. <laughs> so, because they were playing like for Giancarlo, it was a lot of like salsa and like, you know, whatever. I mean, he's from Southern California, but. I guess he's a Marlin now, so they were playing a lot of salsa and, and, and hip-hop. Maybe he likes hip-hop. Trumbo likes harder rock. Yeah. And San Diego, San Diego is like a metal uh, punk town. Oh, so they were loving it. Yeah, so they really got into Trumbo. And, and you know, hitting the video screen, that's not something people do. It's I so know awesome. Stanton left the stadium, and Stanton had the longer home runs by StatCast or whatever, but trumbos pulled shots down the line that were doing things that people weren't used to or were pretty impressive i so. did that on mlb the show had a home run yeah. derby in, in petco and i hit the screen it was great yeah it was Four sweet trumbo I, 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 I used chris davis with a k but uh 
That's because oh. Trumbo was already taken. It was it was like this huge the right-handed hitter, yeah. It was like this huge thing, uh, like sixty people drafting players, and I I got Chris Davis. Anyway, an unimportant. Uh, so, it's so just next. awesome that he hit the uh, hit the screen there. Before you move on, before you move on to the commissioner, is Trumbo gonna stick and, and and stay good the whole second half here? Is this is this uh, Baltimore thing where they they just they breed these power hitters nicely? Of course, the park helps, the division helps. Um, he made some I, changes too. He talked about you know pulling fly balls more, and uh, he also said to me that he doesn't doesn't want to have a two strike approach anymore because he doesn't want to put the ball in play. He doesn't want to do a double play. That kind of offense mm-hmm. wants him to strike out or hit a home run, and uh, so he he's he was okay with uh, with you know his approach. I, one thing I'll say is he's a he's a real liability when it comes to low and away, and. I don't know. Maybe he just lays off them now. Maybe that's one part of what he's done. But pitchers are are going to be throwing for there, you know. And Certainly. he's not. That's not his strength. He can't go the other way. Uh, he can't pull that for the same sort of power. So, uh, you know, I, I think there'll be a little bit of a slowdown. But what does he have? He has like 26 homers already. Yeah, he's he's been out he's of definitely, his mind. He's definitely hitting 40. I mean, okay. there's no way he's not hitting 40. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. You know, I was calling for his normal fall off uh, for the first couple months, but I'm not just going to keep calling for something in in the face of well, and, of yeah. change and improvement. And, and, and now Baltimore is only going to get warmer. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. so, no, I, he's got 28, leads the majors. I'm with you. Obviously, 40s, easy. Uh, 50s, of course, in play, I think, at this point. As, as well yeah. for Mark Trumbo. So uh, let's but move maybe, on. Maybe some batting average issues. Yeah. So the next day was uh, the meeting with the commissioner. Well, it was the BBWA breakfast, the Baseball Writers Association breakfast. And yeah, we had a, we had, we got a chance to meet with the, the commissioner and then Tony Clark came after him and we get, we got a chance to qu- ask questions. And so um, a decent amount of the questions were about the minor league pay, pay scale, which deserved to yeah, be asked good. about, and he gave smarmy answers that I did not enjoy. Um, talked about um, seasonal apprenticeship. Yeah, I mean he Jesus. didn't quite go there, but he was like, uh, "Well, you know, one thing I want to get out there." He's like, "I can't talk about pending litigation, but one thing I really want to get out there is the fact that these people don't work like normal people. You can't when when he's eating lunch that's a spread that the that the ball club provided. Is that is that work?" And if he takes an extra round of BP, is that work? And I'm like, I don't care if it's hard. It's not, you know, like, I don't care. It's not there, really there, the are point. Other, there are other, there are other like types of work jobs where like, this is a, this is the same issue, but they're paid better. You know what I mean? It's like, let's just focus on paying them better. And then we can figure out how to, you know, judge. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't care for that answer. And then the other answer I didn't care for was um, Joel Sherman asked about home runs. I, I was been trying to get a question answered, and I was going to ask about the home runs. And Joel Sherman got the question, and, and he said, um, you know, home runs are up. It's back to the steroid era, and so he sort of pushed, um, pushed Manfred, Commissioner Man. Fred towards a sort of steroid answer, I think, by mm-hmm. by mentioning steroid era, and that's what that's what he did was he said, oh, oh well, you know, our testing is the best in the in the world, and WADA said it's the best testing that they know of in organized sports, and I feel confident my testing. Okay, all right, I get it, but um, and then 
he said, well, you know, I think it's game factors uh, such as, uh, you know, teams are now putting their home run hitters higher in the lineup. And I was like, no, dude. In my head, I was like, no, dude. This is exit velocity is up. Home runs per contact are up. We've been talking about it on this show. It's not, it's not home run hitters higher in the lineup. So yeah. uh, I, just, I just wanted to get a follow up in because people are zeroing in on the ball and whether or not the ball is juiced. And um, so I raised, raised my hand and I was like, uh, you know, it may be game factors. You're right. But. I don't think it's the one you mentioned because, you know, exit velocity up, home runs per contact are up. Your answer lacked believability. Could you talk about the speculation about the ball? And uh, the, the, whole, the whole room was laughing, and Manfred was laughing. He said, well, my, my instinct here is to say next question. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, it, it's, it's good. It's a good tactic to diffuse, um, the situation with humor sure. like that. And, um, then he went on to say something utterly predictable, which is, uh, we test the ball. It's the same as last year. It's not the ball and the ball hasn't changed. We've got the best balls. We've got the best balls <laughs> in sports. These balls. I'll Let put me up, tell you about these balls. I'll put these, these the balls up against balls. anybody. <laughs> so, uh, I, I felt a little embarrassed, and um, Jeff Passon called me an, uh, a moron uh, at the buffet table afterwards. But really, yeah, but he was laughing. I don't oh. know. That he, he was like, super, he wasn't mad at me or anything. But most people actually thought it was funny and sort of still a little gave me gave shook my hand and uh, um, uh, thought it was funny. Also, because he's the mouthpiece of the owners, and he's just you know telling everybody what they need to hear. Um, you know, not, not, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not lying, but he's not telling the truth. You know what sure. I mean? He's, he's just sort of giving us the company line basically. Mm -hmm. So to call him on it a little bit, you know, and shake it up again, you know, most people said things like, well, that was the most exciting moment of the two hours, especially because Tony Clark was like a drone. And, oh, yeah. uh, got that down. Oh Come my on. God. I, everyone was just not paying attention and like half asleep. So, um, I didn't even ask a question of him. I just, I was like, I can't deal with these answers. Like, I don't need, he's not a lawyer, but somehow it's like, sounds like legalese. So, um, I didn't, uh, didn't take part in that one, but, uh, you know, Manfred did come over afterwards and shake my hand. Uh, and I apologize. I said, you know, I, the other word I should have said is I had other words in my head. I should have said, I was thinking at some point, like, um, that his answer was not satisfying, which has been a nicer, nicer way of saying it. But I, I said basically, you know, poor word choice, and he's like, "Oh, well, don't worry about me. That's just my humor." So. Oh, okay, good. I don't think he hates good. me or anything, and um, and I offered some humor to everybody. That uh, is so funny, dude. Otherwise, dry time. <laughs> I did call the commissioner a liar. That's so funny. <laughs> it lacks believability. Is my favorite way of calling somebody a liar. Yeah. That lacks believability. Oh, God. But, uh, in any case, uh, then the, the game was the next day, and uh, that's a terrible place to try and get quotes. I can imagine. So I gave up because, once again, TV crews running over everybody, and players are, you know, they have to tr 
they have to change twice because they have to sell batting practice, all-star batting practice jerseys, mm-hmm. and then they have to sell other all-star jerseys. So then they have the team picture and their team jersey. So they actually had to t- change like twice before game time. So they're running into the clubhouse to change and running out, and no way I'm getting a quote, especially not like, oh, you know, I didn't get enough quotes for the skills challenge piece. Hey, dude, can you tell me? <laughs> yeah. So I just went back upstairs and, and did some writing and relaxed and uh, met up with a couple people, a couple, uh, you know, actually, uh, Garrett is probably listening to this uh, right now. What and, up, Garrett? Uh, what up, what up, Garrett? Who's Garrett? And, uh, you know, that was that was fun to hang out with him and talk about his team and have a beer and just relax during the game because I didn't have to write up the conclusion of the game or anything. And the game itself was a bit of a snoozer. It was nice to see Chris Bryant hit that home run. I was going to, I was going to ask Matt, cause I'm not really going to ask about too many. We're about to wrap it up here. We're going to go a little bit, a little bit short. Actually, we're, we're, we're approaching 50 minutes. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, there's not really takeaways from the game, nah. but generally speaking, is Chris Bryant now a top five player in fantasy in the first round? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think that's pretty To get safe. Trumbo-like power with a, a better batting average and, and honestly, a little, still a, little a chance speed. for better. Yeah. Like, a little It'll, bit of touch of speed and then have the positional value as well is, is up there. So, you know, Arenado, what would our top five be? Yeah, that's what I'm gotta, wondering. I mean, I still keep got, Trout up there. Trout's still up there. I, I'm not going too far off the reservation here with Harper. I'm, I'm not going to lie. No, I think I'm going to keep Harper up there. I so, know team, the year's been up or down, but the talent is still there. So I'm going to go Trout, Harper, it's, Betts, Arenado, and then I think Brian. I mean, Kershaw's still in there. I'm talking just hitters, by the way. Yeah, hitter. I, I think I'd go like Trout, Betts, Arenado. Betts, Arenado, Harper, Bryant, Bryant Harper. Uh, yeah, I'm okay on on your order. I was just saying those are the five. I'm yeah, yeah, I think those are the five. Yeah, Korea. You know, actually, I know it hasn't been a great year, but there there are underlying factors for Korea in terms of his expected uh, batting average on balls and play and stuff like that based on his positive? launch angles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, He's, good. I think he he has uh, he has like a top five expected. Bacon, which is uh, batting average after contact. And, uh, that's the uh, best acronym we've come up uh, with in the stats world, by the way. X me some bacon. <laughs> and so he he's got the he's got uh, top five X bacon, and um, and he's doing it from shortstop. So if there is a buy low moment, you know, go for it. I don't I don't know. You know, in dynasty, you got Carlos Correa, you're probably pretty happy with yourself. But yeah, absolutely, but but. Well, maybe not, you can figure something out. You it's know? probably maybe not they... a buy low. It's just not as expensive as it was a couple months ago. I guess that's buy buying lower. Right. Um, maybe but, you could do something with. Maybe they need a pitcher. Maybe you can do like a Diaz Carrasco deal. Yes, yeah, something like you know? that. Something where like you that. sort of blow them away with the arm portion, and and you get that Korea. So yeah, um, that's a possible. So I, some I, leagues. Speaking of of Korea and his team, the other guy on his team, Altuve. People probably three minutes. Oh their phones, no! Wondering yeah, where we got him. Yeah, he should be in that top five. And so no, he might end up being the top fantasy player in baseball this year. Oh, there's. I mean, it's gonna be tough for him not to be. He's got a nice lead right now. Oh, so who does he push out? That's that's what I'm saying. It and might be Brian. It might oh, actually be Brian. Now a lot of but folks I are probably gonna say Harper. Year, probably Harper. Yeah. But oh, man. I'm talking about we're drafting for next year though. So right. Going yeah. into next year, unless we see some colossal failure here in these last seventy games. From Harper, 
I'm, I'm again, I'm not moving too far from him because Harper has 13 steals as well. Well, you know, we should also look at bets a little bit. We have to see what his end of year steals total will be. That's that's fine. That's fine. Um, so because if he's twenty twenty, that's only forty combined. And if if Bryant is like forty ten, you know, well then that's still have the batting average on him. But I think Altuve has to get in there either way, and it becomes yeah. Walter Bryant at that point. I think uh, it might actually be Trout Altuve in terms of top two. I'm completely. Thank you for bringing that up. That was that. There, that was a scream at the phone. It, it felt, yeah, it felt like we were missing somebody, and then I'm like, that, yeah, <laughs> crazy on that one. Well, sometimes you look, you look past him because he's so short. Certainly, um, you know, it, we, we couldn't see him. We we put we put all those guys in the lineup, and we could we couldn't see him there. Uh, no, stupid short jokes for for Altuve. I know, but, and but the fat jokes were terrible people, man. Yeah, well, I've always admitted that I am. <laughs> Trash heap people. Yeah, I'm just I'm a garbage person that y'all listen to. <laughs> That's y'all's problem. That makes you guys by proxy garbage people, and I'm sorry. I'm We're very all in this sorry. together. Uh, exactly. We're all going down in the same heap. And that's we'll be able to listen to the show in the heap. But yeah, uh, we talked about 15 bombs last year for, for Altuve, and I will raise my hand. You know, I've, I've taken, I, I, I not had some good picks this year. One thing I loved was I thought Altuve could maintain at least that power. Instead, he's almost doubling it. He's already got 14, yeah. and 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 the steals are there, and the batting. And it's, because, it's by being more selective. I talked to his, his batting coach about this, Hudgens, and he's, He's like, there's not the the kick, the the step, you know, the leg kick for him was a big deal for power, but sure. then this next level stuff is by being more selective because he kills high fastballs and he's 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 uh, zoning in on those and and sort of letting the, looks, the stuff blown away go away. He looks like Pedroia on those. I think I've said that one a couple times, but that, that tomahawks those things. Yeah, he just he looks exactly like Pedroia. Uh, with, with and you see the power that comes just out of the the smaller frame and it shows you that frame helps certainly absolutely everyone would love to prefer to be Stanton size but it's the motion of the but ocean exactly exactly <laughs> uh, we got a little piece breaking news then we'll go ahead and get out of here you Darvish going to be activated Saturday or is expected to be at this point. Um, looks good. Where are you on you, Darvish, rest of the season? You said he looks good right now. I mean, he looked great in the starts. Honestly, the three starts that he had before the injury, you know, I, I've always said I don't like to buy year one Tommy John guys, but if they come out and they do Jose Fernandez things, which you, Darvish, had a chance to do, then I'll just I'll reap those benefits in DFS. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get it somewhere else. I just don't want to draft them because of how tough it is coming back that first year. But that doesn't mean that there can't be guys who are successful. And it looks like Darvish is really going to play out the way that uh, Fernandez did, right down to the fact that he had a DL stint right in the middle. So, what are you expecting out of uh, of Darvish in this second half? Hopefully, excellence. Maybe this will, you know, give him a chance to just use all his innings the rest of the year. Um, they've been cautious with him, and uh, you know, what can you say? I think I'd almost rather acquire him in a redraft league than in a keeper league, just because. Making him my number one keeper right now, just making any pitcher a keeper. Look, exactly. look at what's going on with Thor. And, look, all of them. We come, We yeah. had the episode. The, the pitchers are dead episode. Grinky, yeah, Kershaw, so. you know, all, all Thor, Harvey. They're all going down. And of course, Harvey was not having a great year prior to that. But yeah. cycle back one year and think about how you felt about Harvey. And Everybody. he was coming off of the first year of Tommy John. We're, Can't wait to keep him. I got Harvey at six dollars. It's gonna be awesome. Well, it's a waste of six bucks, is what it was. Yeah, imagine how good you felt if you you had uh, going into this year. You had Granky 
Kershaw and Thor, you know, as your top three. <laughs> you thought things you, you were right on top now of the world. Like just rocking Thor gently and to sleep at night every it's night. Okay. It's please, it's fine. Right, it's fine. No, you, don't I, throw ninety one again, please. Can I hear your elbow with tears? <laughs> Because I'm streaming them down onto your onto your elbow. Uh, yeah, poor Thor right now. Like it, it's so bad. It's it's. I don't I don't even get this reference, but I know vaguely what it means. It's the red wedding for pitchers. I don't watch Game of Thrones, uh, but I, I know by context clues that that bad fits, bad that don't make fits. cultural references. You don't listen to. This. I, I will. Watch. I will pretend like I know Boo. everything. That, Boo, that, that's me fight. out here acting like I'm in on everything. Yeah, red don't wedding. Don't take man. beer recommendations from the. This guy. The, oh, the chat. I give them all to the chat all the time. I'm like, definitely <laughs> drink the... The one with the red on it. The freaking IPA Jose Quintana. Their baseball player named Beers, I, I think. I'm mixing, I'm mixing oh, things. Reminds me, as we as we leave, one one plug, because it's my own book, so I get to do it. Yes. Uh, the the book is out. It's called The Craft Beer Lover's Guide to Baseball. Congratulations. Uh, baseball Lover's Guide to Craft Beer. And it's the best beer in and around stadiums all around the U.S. It has cultural stuff. It has things like get on this kayak, you know, go from this island to this island, get off of this island and drink at this brewery. So, you know, you know, places like museums that have beer bars in them, all sorts of cultural plus beer plus baseball things to do. And if you're listening to this podcast, you get a dollar off. It's BG dash we love you is the code bg dash we love you and it's up at www.beergraphs.com forward slash book get on it, it folks get on that book we will be back next week probably Most probably likely, take a yeah. friday off maybe you get a sneak one but don't don't plan on it plan on nothing and then be happy if you get something instead of vice versa where we leave you angry you sound you know? like a dad hey I'm, I'm practicing already <laughs> okay plan on nothing for dinner tonight. You get You're nothing. Lucky if you get something, get in your room. I'm playing MLB the show. That'll be me. <laughs> <after that. laughs> All right. Dad of the year. <laughs> All right. You know, I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for listening.